Hey guys, my name is Ben Berman and welcome to the Starting It Up podcast where I interview all types of entrepreneurs uncovering actionable steps and inspiration that you can use to build your business, your side hustle, whatever it is that you're trying to create and live the life you've always wanted. On this episode, we talk with Garrett Mirigu, the co-founder and CEO of Directive. Directive is a global B2B search marketing agency specializing in ROI-driven campaigns for clients such as Cisco, Allstate, Samsung, Tencent, and more. Garrett bootstrapped Directive alongside his co-founder, Tanner Schaffer, to 10 million plus in revenue and over 60 full-time team members. Their mission? To serve the biggest brands in the world. We dive into topics like what separates a great marketing agency from a good marketing agency, how to efficiently scale a bootstrap business, how to go from marketing consultant to CEO, and what drives Garrett to continue working on Directive without any plans to ever stop. Hope you all enjoy. Here it goes. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to the podcast. Today we're talking with Garrett Mirgut, who is the CEO at Directive Consulting. Garrett, I've heard your story on other podcasts. Uh, there's a lot in there that we, that we can talk about, but I'm going to hand it over to you first. Just tell everyone exactly what Directive is, how long you've been in business, and where you guys are right now. Yeah, um, we essentially, you know, at Directive, do a lot of search marketing. So SEO and PPC uh, we love to work with brands, uh, mid-market enterprise brands, a lot in the B2B space, um, but, you know, mostly enterprise. And, you know, our goal is obviously to, you know, partner with those companies, help them change, you know, not only their perspective of search marketing when it comes to SEO and PPC and all the other sub kind of categories of it, but, you know, really just help them make it a profitable channel, you know, really base our recommendations on sales data and help them grow their, their, their presence online. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, so, I mean, how long ago uh, did you start this? And when you look at, you know, how you came from kind of, you know, starting this up right at the beginning to where you are right now, what has been like the biggest change in your opinion that's happened uh, throughout the years? Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot's a lot has definitely changed. You know, I think the vision never has changed. I think the vision was always to be, you know, the best and largest search agency uh, that we could be. Um, and that isn't from like amount of client serviced, but really mm-hmm. from like a revenue and quality of work perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, cause you, you know, we, for, we personally came to realize, you know, there's a pretty, it's really difficult um, in professional services at a certain point you have to choose. Do you want to be good for the price point or do you want to be the best? Yeah. And, and you have to make a cognitive decision there because, you know, good for the price point makes you a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. Like you can make a ton of money being good for the price point. Um, mm-hmm. I just, it's, I'm not as passionate about it. You know, I'm really passionate about having the best deliverable on the market uh, yeah. and then charging uh, a hand, you know, appropriately for that. And so, you know, that's kind of the route we took, but at first I mean, it didn't start that way. At first I, I was slinging $5 social media calendars on Fiverr. I was, you know, working yeah. as an independent <laughs> consultant. I was doing everything I could, uh, you know, just to get a customer and, and just to, you know, have a, a client to learn with and to deliver yeah. for and to get better on. And was just transparent about it. You know, hey, I haven't done this for a long time. I'm incredibly passionate about search marketing. I want to be the best at it. I think I can be very successful for you. And for $200 a month, you know, I'll do pretty much any and everything for you. And that's kind of how we started. Um, And, you know, we've come a long way since then. Yeah, so that's, I mean, you brought up a couple of really interesting points. One being, 
you have to consciously decide in your business that you're going to be the best and you're going to charge a premium for it. And I think one of the really difficult aspects about that is that, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine, you know, you probably had some customers along the way who, when you reach that point and, you know, maybe they couldn't, like, you know, you can't really, no one could be paying you $200 a month anymore. Eventually, at a certain point, you know, you start to realize that you need to really increase what you're, what you're charging. I feel like that's, that's definitely a difficult point that yeah. a lot of people don't necessarily think about because right when you're starting off, you just want any money. But yeah. um, when, when did you in particularly like realize that, you know, I'm, my services are worth this much and I need to start charging more? I was in an Uber and uh, talking to a guy. And well, he was talking to me. It's probably a more accurate yeah. way. I'm not as talkative sometimes, yeah. but he, you know, he was talking and you know, let me know he was in SEO. I'm like, oh, I'm in SEO. And you know, we talked about SEO for a while, and you know, I knew he didn't necessarily um, have the same passion for SEO, or maybe even the same desire to be great at SEO. And so he, you know, yeah. it was just a different, you know, like we had different kind of perspectives on search and different kind of focuses and goals. But I wanted to know how much he charged. So I asked him, hey, if you don't mind me asking, like how much do you kind of charge on average? And he said $2,000. And my average client at the time was like around 400. Yeah. And I was like shell shocked. (laughs) I'm like, this guy doesn't know anything. And he's charging two grand and I'm over here busting my butt. And I'm like trying to be the best. I'm like publishing for every thought leadership, you know, place in the industry. I'm doing all these tests and I'm publishing all this stuff and I'm going to the conferences and I'm speaking. And I'm charging what? And so I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta charge more. It's really scary though, you know, when you're getting started mm-hmm. to charge a lot. Uh, you know, you're nervous. You, yeah. You're like, okay, well, what if every, you know, everybody says no? Um, yeah, I feel like you, you also might feel like a bad person in a way, like overcharging someone. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, you're, you're not, you know, you haven't necessarily been doing it so long that you're hundred yeah. percent confident that you're gonna back it up every time. You know, sometimes like, yeah. oh, what if this happens or what that? But I think you know, you have to take that leap and you have to. You have to try to build the company you want, not the company you have. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, just from my experience, started like working with um, or just interacting with many different uh, marketing agencies, digital marketing, SEO, and everything under the sun. And I've been noticing uh, like the vast majority of companies out there. And, you know, this is kind of obvious, but they're either like par or, or subpar. And yeah. it's, it's crazy. Like, a company that performs not so well will actually oftentimes be charging you more than if you're like able to find the right company, they'll be charging more than someone who's like getting you better results. Um, and you know, the reason they're able to like make those sales and get customers just because they're better at acquiring customers. And that's, you know, entirely separate skill, but it looks like from your perspective, you know, you realize that early on and then decided I need to get, like I need to extract the correct amount of value. Um, and, and, and that's awesome to see. So, uh, I think one, one thing that's really interesting is that you, you've been talking about how you're super passionate about SEO, about search. Where did that come from? Um, because it's, it's not, um, I don't know how to say it. It's not like, uh, something that, you know, typically people are like super passionate about, you know what I mean? It's, it's not like, uh, I want to, you know, like change the world by doing that. Like you can, in a way, if you're helping companies that are doing those types of things, you know what I mean? So it's not like, um, yeah, it's it, not, my passion it, doesn't come from the, the, from the, yeah. the practice of the medium. Uh, my passion comes from trying to be the best, you know, man I can be. Uh, and part mm-hmm. of that has comes down to being great at what you do for a living. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, for me, 
I'm passionate about, you know, succeeding for people and helping their businesses grow. And Mm -hmm. I recognize that at my age, the, the area where they perceived I had more knowledge than they did was the internet. And so I just went out yeah. and learned it. And then once I was learning digital marketing, I figured SEO and PPC had the highest ROI and were the most attributable pipeline and revenue. So mm-hmm. I decided to become the best I could be at those. And it was just kind of a daily grind, um, you know, where I would say essentially where I would learn, engage, create. And I could, if I could learn something new every day and engage with it through practice, through, um, comment through just contribute con- contributing or executing upon I could create more value for myself and for my customers and so really all I've done since you know last five years is decide to never be satisfied with where I was at and if I can do that every single solitary day and constantly be okay with stretching myself and put make putting myself in uncomfortable situations um, you know I, I can I can do something that I would be really proud of and so for me you know the passion just comes from doing excellent work for mm-hmm. someone paid me for, you know, and, and whether that's SEO, PPC, gardening, yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's really just, okay, if you gave me some money, I'm going to make sure that I do a better job for you than anyone else could ever. Cause I, cause I want to honor and respect you, you know, for trusting us. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it really seems like, you know, what's really actually driving you is the fact that someone has entrusted you with, with a task and then you're essentially competing with, with yourself because you want to get better every single day. And like you said, it, it just happened to be uh, digital marketing. It could have yeah, been, exactly. you know, um, anything else. And, and I think, you know, like this, and this is what we see time and time again on, on this show and like a bunch of other shows, people, it's not like someone finds one thing that, that they're meant to do. Like, I don't necessarily believe there's like one magical thing that we're all meant to do. Um, I just think that it's really, you know, the passion and the work ethic. And if you like, obviously if you hate something, you're not going to do well at it, but there's a lot of things that you can like. And a lot of the times people get bogged down because they don't know like which route to take, but just, you know, looking at you as an example, you know, you just chose one route that you thought would work and turns out it did. And if it didn't, you would have chosen something else. So just for everyone out there who might be thinking, oh, I don't know what to do. I'm trying out like 10 different things, you know, try just going really hard at one of them. If that doesn't work, you still can fall back, but you might as well, you know, just do something because you never know. And, and you tend to like things more when you start getting good at them. So, um, so yeah, it's just awesome to, uh, to see how, how you've done that. And, sorry. you know, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, so thanks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, uh, you know, you work with businesses, you know, day in and day out, and every business out there wants to be better at marketing. They want to have their brand, you know, be, they want, they want to have them, their company be a thought leader. They want their brand to be at the top, but obviously, you know, not all of them can get there. So you, you work with many companies and you see, I'm guessing like a lot of patterns that companies are getting wrong and things that you come in and immediately start to like shifting. Um, could you just like speak a little bit about like, what are the, you know, one, two or three things that you see pretty much most businesses that you work with getting wrong or, or misunderstanding in terms of how they're implementing digital marketing before, uh, they, t- they bring on, uh, uh, your company. Um, I think the biggest thing that as marketers we make a mistake on is um, we do things because everyone else is doing them. We hear about a tactic and it would be unwise of us to not be doing that as well. Oh, I see what, who, what mm-hmm. X is doing. I see what my competitor is doing. We need to do that. And 
and it's probably the most silly thing that I'm guilty of, and I think every marketer is guilty of. What we don't spend enough time is with our customers and, and looking uh, from above our industry and verticals and identifying opportunities mm-hmm. that are, frankly, more directly correlated to what our product differentiator is. Now, the reason that's so important is just because a marketing tactic is successful from a marketing perspective doesn't mean it is from a business or a sales perspective. And usually that's because the marketing tactic is misaligned with your core differentiator of a product or your ideal customer persona. So you generate a lot of MQLs, you generate a lot of traction, but you're not able to turn that MQL process into pipeline or revenue. And, and so really what I like to help people with is really just understand what are people searching for when the timing's right? See, the thing with marketing is it's so timing dependent and no one ever talks about it. And what I mean by that is like, if you, you know this a lot if you're in sales development. So in sales development, you know, 90% of your success is not your messaging, your brand, your fit, or your product. It's the timing. You literally hit someone up while they were looking for what you offered. They emailed you back. You set a meeting. And then you had a good product, so you won. But the reason they replied wasn't because of your email. It's because of the timing. Now, the same thing goes for search. You see, the timing's right when people modify their queries. Let's say you're selling ERP software, and they search top or best ERP software. That is telling you right now they're in the purchasing stage. And so the question is, is when that person searches and you're an ERP software company, do they discover your brand? And if they don't discover your brand, you're missing your most, essentially your hottest opportunity with the quickest time to close and it's most valuable. So what we help companies do is make them discoverable. We take their ideal customer persona. We learn a lot about their marketplace, a lot about their product, a lot about what makes them unique and different. And then we understand when people are searching for what they offer, how to position them to be discovered. And then once they're discovered, we use their differences and their uniqueness to convert them through different types of call to actions, copy and messaging. And when you put those things together, now you have predictable pipeline and you can start to generate revenue. Okay. So that, I mean, that was super clear. I think, I think the way you explained it there, I, I feel like I just learned so much about uh, how, how to just correctly do search marketing because it makes a lot of sense. Like a lot of the marketing, you know, gimmicky stuff that uh, many companies do, especially when there's like a holiday or, or anything and, they, and then they offer promotions and, and things like that. Like oftentimes they work, but if, if you're only, I mean, it, it really guess what it really matters what business you're in. But for a lot of companies, like if your only real result from marketing campaign is just getting eyeballs, uh, it doesn't really mean anything if those aren't the the correct ones that you need. So, so that's super interesting. It looks like you're just taking a very data heavy approach to everything you're doing. Is that like how you approach this right at the beginning when you were getting started? Did you have that thesis in mind, or is that something that you learned the more you actually did uh, search marketing? I think I really distilled that about two years ago. Um, so I yeah. write off what I speak on is really the process of being discoverable. Uh, I literally wrote a book on it. I'm trying to get it published right now. Um, awesome. And really that process of how does a brand, like that's the reason SEO, PPC, and search marketing existed is back in the day, some guy who owned a company or some woman who owned a company, she was searching online and she's like, why is my company not showing up? Why is my company not showing up? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. We need <laughs> SEO. We're not showing up. And that's how it all started. And then later on, it turned into this other meta type deliverable. That's like, well, no, 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 you need links and you need title tags, you need H1. And, you need and it's not that those things are wrong. You do need those things. Those things are a huge part of it. But we kind of lost the essence. What, mm-hmm. I can't, what I can tell you is I can't tell you how many SEOs and PPCs and search marketers I meet who are so obsessed with the next tactic that they haven't fully understood positioning and really marketing is 1000% about positioning 
like, are you discoverable when people search and when they, what they find, are you different than everything else? Not just better. Cause you can't have a gross profit margin on better. You have a gross profit margin on different. The people have a very low marginal percentage. They're willing to pay for better. People have a high marginal percentage. They're willing to pay for different. And so you have to be able to differentiate a product and then make it discoverable when the timing's right. And then you can essentially monetize search marketing and you, you can be very successful. Wow. So yeah, I mean, that's, that's super interesting. So one of the things I'd love to get your thoughts on, because this is always something I've, I've just been super curious about, especially when I'm using Google. So I'm sure you know about this. So I'll, I'll like search, um, you know, whatever best, uh, event software, mm -hmm. and then it'll be like, or, or I'll, or even better yet, I'll search like the name of a, like an event software company. Right. Mm -hmm. And like five competitors will immediately pop up. Yeah. What, like, what is your thoughts on that? And I think that's more recent. Like, that's only started happening in the last like few years. Um, just like, what is that? Is that effective? How, how is that working in the industry? Just what, what's your thoughts? There is no worse performing campaign than competitor poaching as a general statement. Now there are some people really? and some brands who have been able to do certain things well, but in general, there's nothing that performs worse than competitor poaching campaigns, in my opinion, from a cost per acquisition standpoint, um, and even a cost per opportunity or cost per deal to standpoint, if you integrate it into sales data. Now, can you use something like an RLSA to then show your ads on competitor pages if they've already view, viewed your website, lower your CPA, and then do that more creatively? Sure. Can you build an interactive page that allows them to truly compare your product against theirs and it's really good? Yeah. Is that what most people do? No. They throw up, you know, a crappy ad. Yeah, <laughs> on somebody's thing and thinks we'll poach them. And the truth is, is those campaigns across our whole portfolio always, always, always underperform compared to campaigns that are going after essentially a new buyer, not a buyer who already has essentially some type of brand awareness or affinity to a competitor. And so I would not recommend that. I also wouldn't recommend um, branded search ads. I, I don't, I don't like them. I don't think they're good. I can't tell you how many clients we've run tests with where we stop spending on branded and we just allow that traffic to reallocate to direct or organic. And, mm -hmm. you know, we did that for a very, very, very large enterprise software company who's international and global and they only lost 2% and we were able to take quarter million dollars a month that they're spending on their name and go put that essentially wow. into new business. So, you know, there's a lot that goes into there. Now for me, like I, I, I all do branded search ads on directive cause I don't rank number one for directive cause I do rank number one for directive consulting. So I don't try to do branded ads there. But if I don't if like a client's not ranking number one for their name, of course it makes sense. But like just throwing your ad up there on top of your organic result doesn't make sense. And then throwing an ad up there just cause other competitors are bidding on your ad, let them be dumb. Let them waste their money. It's a blessing. You're still like literally their click through rate on those ads. I can tell you right now is going to be less than two to 3%. And so you're still getting 97% of the traffic. Let them have 3% at an unreasonable CPA because they're not going to have any brand intent. They're going to have low quality scores. They're going to have high cost per clicks because people weren't searching for them. They were searching for you. And so, you know, you let your competitors waste their money. It's, it's fine. You know, let, let them try to play some silly game. It's not going to change your business or it's not going to hurt you. That's fascinating. And I think it's like most people don't realize like how much thought and process and like engineering and just, you know, thinking goes behind everything they look up and and it's very easy to forget that but but i'll like you know notice things like that and then always wonder you know why is this happening and and 
to to kind of build off of what you said or to support it. I I hate seeing like if I search for one company and like five others show up, I will never click on those just because like first of all, it's not what I was looking for, but also um you know just seeing them sponsored at the top, I don't know. I just I don't know why. I just prefer an organic result on on search and I think um yeah. I don't know. I if I don't I don't know why that's the case. I so just do 97% like for me, of searchers. Yeah, so the average click through rate still just like 2 to 3% on ads. And then competitor ads, I don't have the average click through it off the top of my head. Um, but they're not like, they're not your most successful campaigns uh, by any means. And so, you know, it, it's really more ego driven, whether it's, you know, we want to go take our clients or cut our competitors' clients, or, yeah. you know, we don't want our competitors to steal our clients. It's, it's usually more emotionally driven than strategically driven. Yeah, and I feel like that's that's how you make mistakes when you're not thinking about things strategically and, and with actual numbers, uh, and you're just kind of going off the cuff. Sometimes it works, but a lot of the times uh, it doesn't. So um, so you had mentioned that you were working with some major corporations. Um, this is something I, I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into because when you're, when you're getting a startup right off the ground, in your case, it's just you doing digital marketing for pretty much anyone you can find. There becomes this point where, you know, similar to where you have to increase the prices, you go from maybe servicing like a company of like five people to working with, you know, company of thousands. How do you position yourself and your organization at that point to then go and, you know, not just pitch them, but like to go in a way where you're, where you're confident enough to know that you can uh, handle this and you can take this to the next level because a lot of the times people don't take that leap. And if you don't take that leap, it's very difficult to, you know, have a, a super successful business. Um, you just have to treat every client you have like a case study. Um, you, know, you can't take your small clients for granted. doesn't mean you have to be passionate about them or love them. It can't, doesn't mean it has to be your end goal. You still have to honor, respect them and deliver for them. And so for us, I always just tried to treat every client like it was going to be a case study. And then what happens is you get to go to the big guys and say, you know, I haven't worked with a client of your size, but here's the strategic work we've done for smaller clients. Wouldn't it be nice to have an agency where you're the biggest account instead of just another fish in the pond? And there's, there's a real pitch there. If you, if you really take the time, you know, it, you really come to the table and prepare. And, and when I say come to the table, like actually fly out there and be at the table and you treat every opportunity for the size that it really is. I can't tell you how many times, you know, we, we treat a $150,000 deal. Like it's a $5,000 deal. And we don't show up in person. We don't prep. We don't learn everything about every decision maker in the firm. We don't learn everything about their business. We don't learn everything about the competitor. And we go in with a, you know, B plus a minus proposal instead of a proposal where maybe you took 20 hours, you prepped for it and you knew every little thing and you had a full strategy fully built out that you could have charged them 20 grand for, but you give it to them for free. You say, hey, here's what we want to do for you, free of charge. And you show them so much confidence and so much execution, so much strategic insight. You spent so much time prepping for the proposal, asking the right questions. You're perfectly aligned. You show up and then you undercut the big guys and you go get some new accounts that are large. You know, it's not impossible. You just have to, you know, you have to be able to bring in and prepare and, and act like you've been there before. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, you said it. You said it perfectly. Like, it, it's it's impossible to know until you're in that situation. So I'm not gonna you know sit here and be like, oh yeah, this is what you have to do. But essentially, like, it, it might seem 
that you know this opportunity might not be the biggest or or maybe this opportunity is bigger than what you expected but you always have to put your a game because if you don't it's it's going to be clear to everyone else and and if you don't then your team isn't either and you know one one of the things that you are really kind of big on internally within your company and uh and uh you speak a lot about is you know the the people behind you and your team. So you're at a you're a company now with over sixty employees. You're in in how many different cities? I, I think it's I saw like four or something, right? We have a lot of different like remote offices. We have two fully staffed offices: one in the um, Austin, Texas, and then one in Orange County, California. And yeah. then we have other offices that allow our team to be really flexible: uh, work, travel. Um, meet with clients in those cities that we have strategic accounts at. Uh, and then as we grow in certain regions, like we have one in London, right? And as we start to grow and acquire clients in the U.S., we can start to staff that up. Um, and, you know, clients over the years have really shifted away from needing a local presence. But it's also something special about being able to just swing by your client's office and have a meeting, in, you know, on their own turf. Um, yeah. You know, you can make up for that just by buying airplane tickets. <laughs> it's usually cheaper than rent. Um, so, you know, there's ways to do it for sure. But for us, it's really just about, you know, giving our team also opportunities to live in lower cost of living areas. You know, Texas is a lot more affordable to buy a home. I just bought a home there for the yeah. same. Are you, are you down in Austin? Uh, yeah, in Austin. Yeah, it's the same awesome. as my rent, though, in Orange County, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I wanted my team to not have to leave directive if they wanted to start their families and buy a property and do those things because Orange County, you know, is really cost prohibitive in a lot of areas if you want to be in certain areas. Yeah, yeah I'm in New York. I, I definitely get that. So uh, an- another follow-up on that would be, you know, when, when you scale up this business and it goes from just being you and maybe a core group of people to... My co-founder, yeah. Me my yeah, co-founder. sorry. Yeah, your co-founder. Um, how, like when you start expanding, this is a very, you know, sir, it's, a, it's a service business. You're providing a service, then you have to maintain a mm-hmm. certain level of quality. How yeah. do you make sure that you maintain that when you when you start scaling and hiring new people because you're pitching to the companies whether you know some of them the accounts are being taken over by other people, some of them are new accounts. How do you maintain that that quality level uh and and not let it, you know, decrease in any way and and even improve actually? You don't <laughs> you know, um at first you're not as good as you were but you can become better. I think what happens is at first, uh, professional services firms, when they first start to scale, have a raise the floor mentality. So what that means is they create tons of systems, tons of process, tons of procedure, and everything is systematized. Everybody does this and kind of, you know, when they try to get to like a million, and they everything becomes, you know, they have a sauna checklist, they have all these checklists, just like we kind of have. But the problem is, you know, when you start doing that, is you really, really limit your ceiling. And you start to do really, cookie cutter work with great intentions and you still get good results for people. Don't get me wrong. It's not like that approach gets you bad results, but you start to limit the upside of your top performers and your most creative individuals and the upside for your accounts. You also though expose yourself to some downside. And so you have to kind of learn to find this balance between systems and procedure and kind of, you know, your processes as well as your creativity. And there is no way to find that without going through some crap. Uh, and I wish that wasn't the case. I mean, maybe now if I redid it, obviously I could avoid a lot of that, but when you're just starting out and you're learning it all for the first time, um, you know, it happens for me. I always just trusted my team. Um, I really do. I had never 
I've never been the one to even do the work really in the history of this company. That's not really how I ever envisioned my role in it. And I only like to do my vision and I only like to do things that I think are going to be better tomorrow. And I, I really try to avoid today and, and really avoid yesterday. And so really, you know, the way I built it was always, where do I want to be tomorrow? You know, and yeah. where I want to be tomorrow right now is to do world-class search marketing for the largest brands in the world. And so that's what we're building. Um, and, and so you have to build that, but you can't confuse it. You got to be okay saying no to everything else and whatever that means. But if you, if you have a conflicted vision, if you have a half-assed vision, um, you know, you're not going to be able to accomplish it. You have to be fully committed to the dream that you have and then execute flawlessly. Uh, and that doesn't mean you're not going to fail. It just means you stay committed and you, and you take the necessary steps to get there and you build a different organization. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of what I've always tried to do is, you know, build what, what I wanted tomorrow and focus a little less on today. Gotcha. Powerful stuff. So, so when you, when you look at tomorrow and, you know, maybe a few years into the future, where do you see directive? Do you see this as something you're still going to be, uh, leading and, and taking kind of, you know, all the way as, as far as it can go, or are you starting to think, are you waiting for a moment where, you know, you can maybe say this thing can run on its own and, and you're going to go off and, and do something else. Where's your head at, uh, uh, in that regard, if you've been thinking about it? Oh yeah, no, no. I mean, no, no company runs itself. Um, that's the biggest lie. So no, it, it for me, it's about uh, driving this vision and being the best search marketing agency in the world. Um, so I can see wow. us, you know, with a lot fewer accounts than we even have today. I could see us working, you know, with maybe only fifty accounts, only sixty yeah. accounts. Uh, but the but biggest ones. Every one of those exactly. And, and we have essentially offices in every one of their locations throughout the world. And we're a core integral part of why they're successful and we're supporting their team. We're partnering with them. We're humbly listening to them, uh, but simultaneously confidently driving strategy and helping make sure they execute and prioritize effectively. Um, and yeah, that's, I, that's where I see us as more of an Ogilvy model instead of some agency you never heard about. Yeah, I think... Uh, you know, just hearing that, it, it looks like, you know, you're just everything that drives you, you're a very competitive person. You want to be the best. This goal that you have of being the number one search marketing agency in the world, you know, people might be listening to this and, and think it's um, like a hyperbole, but I, I'm, I'm just thinking like it's not. You're, this is what you're going to be doing until you hit that point. And if, if you don't hit that point, you're just going to continue and, and, and do it. Um, and, and it's very interesting. It's, it's different from a lot of other founders. You know, when people start companies for different reasons, people want to see some problem solved. And once that problem is solved in a way, um, or maybe they just want to sell it and, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think, you know, having an exit, uh, totally makes sense, especially if it's to a company that can push that vision further along. But um, it's really interesting to just get your perspective on this, especially since you're you know a young guy and and you're pretty much saying you're going to be spending the rest of your life until you hit this point. So um, it's powerful, and uh, a lot of people go into entrepreneurship to um, or people who may not be in it or think they want to go into entrepreneurship to escape like the grind to escape having to work or they're like, I'll work for five years, 10 years, and then I'm good. But, but it's not like you're, you're in here for, for like the longest possible haul. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's awesome to see, man, as we kind of are, you know, starting to like wind this down, I, I'd love to hand it back over to you and tell us like, you know, where uh, people can connect with you. I was looking through your website. Uh, I know you guys are hiring a bunch right now. 
Um, I'm sure, you know, there's people out there listening who are into marketing might be interested in that. And then just leave the audience with like one final thought on, you know, just anything that you think would be beneficial. Uh, it's been a lot of information on this episode so far. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing for anybody listening is, you know, just decide what you want, decide what you want and go get it. I think there is no really reason you can't, I didn't have any money. I'm not from a family of means. Um, I didn't get any financial support in any part of my life. Really. That wasn't kind of how it worked. I had, I had great parents, um, but I didn't have, have like a, any help. You know, I started at $5. I ate the humble pie um, and I just decided what I wanted. I, I just stayed committed to that, which was trying to be the biggest and the best. That isn't everybody's dream, right? If you want to be a boutique firm, be the best boutique firm, have the best boutique type culture. Like if you want to be a freelancer, be the best freelancer, but don't, you know, I don't, don't just settle for mediocre or get complacent, you know, it'd be my encouragement. And it's actually not that hard. It's really just about, you know, picking your head up every day and saying, where do you want to be tomorrow? Um, yeah. If you get stuck in today, you know, you start worrying about today and yesterday, it's really hard to think about tomorrow. So give yourself that time and that space and then just take 15 minutes to read, to think, to, to process tomorrow every day. And if you just do that for 15 minutes, no one will be able to stop you because you're doing it 15 more minutes than anyone else. And so if you just, you know, the barrier to entry to success is so steep and low. Uh, I hope everyone can, you know, just recognize it's really just about consistency and, you know, looking at tomorrow every day, because uh, then you can really align your priorities. Awesome. Um, yeah, I love that. I think uh, it, it's, it's such a, such a great, uh, great message to, to everyone. And, um, and you're really like, you're not just saying it, living it day in and day out. So, uh, so that's great to see uh, for everyone out there. If you want to learn more, go to Directive Consulting, D-I-R-E-C-T-I-V-E, consulting.com. Um, you have a really cool site, and you explain a ton about uh, search marketing if anyone just happens to be like interested about uh, what you guys do. And just looking through this, you actually like learn a lot, and that, that's one of the things that's you know that just shows that that you and your company do quality work in a way, like you don't have to get a proposal. You don't have to actually see, you can just go in case studies. You can go to the resources. You can see what you guys are saying. And uh, it's a very simple way to just differentiate yourselves from, from a company that, you know, might have like a few quotes and just not really tell -hmm. you what they do at all. um, Which I feel like too often in, in the digital marketing space is is what you actually uh, end up getting or seeing. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's hard to monetize thought leadership. It's kind of a drag feel it takes forever you don't really see results but it's a part of trying to build a differentiated brand right and you have to be okay with you know what that process is like but you know we're just learning honestly like you know all this is the stuff i know today and i don't know much but you know if we you know i just hope i keep kind of focusing on tomorrow don't get beat up too much today you know you can kind of go wherever you like and you know people want to be a part of that so thanks for letting me uh talk though Ben. appreciate you having me man yeah absolutely thank you so much garrett uh really great time uh talking with you and um Best of luck with everything. You guys are killing it over there. All right. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, go rate and subscribe to the podcast. Even share it with your friends if you found the lessons valuable. We do the show every week, so stay tuned for more episodes. And till next time.